0: Uh, it's good to be with you today. Uh, my name is Dell, the senior pastor t- here, and uh, today's uh, the installation. Uh, we've made it finally, right? <laughs> I keep joking with the elders and saying, you know, the warranty expires at a year, so we got to get this done. So. Um, yeah, so I'm excited, and it's, it's great to be here, and I, I do uh, just appreciate each and every one of you being here uh, just to share in this celebration. Thank you so much for all those joining online as well. I'm glad we have that uh, capability that we can share uh, just this time of celebration. And you know, my prayer today with the, the, the team and the, the staff this morning before service is it's, today's service is not about me, it's about Jesus. It's about his faithfulness, it's about what he's doing uh, here at this church, and, again, we are all gifted, as Pastor Tony was saying about our next steps. It's finding what you're gifted, what God has blessed you with, um, and put in, into you as gifts. And God, you know, has called me to, to serve this church in the capacity of, of being a pastor here, of being a shepherd. And so, again, uh, it's, it's just a privilege and an honor. And I just appreciate the fact that I actually see your faces and know many of you now. Uh, when we started, as you remember, it was a very different scenario. It was me and a, a camera, staring at a camera, and, you know, I couldn't see you, so just how far we've come. And so thank you so much for being a part of the journey here. Um, it is really an honor and a privilege to have a very, very dear friend with me here today. Uh I've asked, I'd asked him to come to, to lead us through this, this service today, through the installation. Um, Pastor David Decker, I'm going to have you come up in just a minute. I need to kind of share a little bit about our story. Uh, it's interesting, when we first got back to the States a few years ago, uh, I, I ended up, my wife and I ended up going to do a retreat at uh, Deer Ridge, which uh, there's actually a, a, a display in the back there that you can have a look at. I'm sure he'll talk more about that. And it was interesting because we didn't really know a lot of people. We were pretty new to the area. And so we went out there and not really sure what we were going to be getting into or what was going on. Um, And so we got there and it was just such a welcoming place. Uh, The big thing there is, you know, just just to find rest. And for pastors and their spouses, because it is, you know, it can wear you down uh, very quickly. And it's not saying that it's any pastor would say that. It's not because the people are so challenging. It's just ministry is hard, and it's, it's tough. And so just to find those places to, to rejuvenate and rest. And so while we were there, uh, me and uh, my dear brother here had opportunities to sit down, and we really just connected in a, a really well, very quickly, and just such a genuine person. Uh, he's been around ministry, you said, 50 years now? You've been just f- for a minute, right? I mean... Um, and so, just the, his humility, and and I'll tell you what, this is what has caught my attention with this man, is that from day one, you know, people will say like, "Hey, I'll, I'll be in touch with you," or that. This guy calls me, he he's texting me, he's always in contact with me. It's hard to even go a week or two without hearing from him. And I'm sure he, you know, there's other people he does that with as well. But he makes a priority to check in to see how I'm doing, and wouldn't that be great if we all had that person in our life? You know, we, we hold each other accountable, but we, we journey with, we check in, we say, hey, and we're honest. And so to, to have him just be that person in my life, especially coming to a place where I just didn't know a lot of people initially, um, has been just an encouragement. And, again, this was all before Long Grove Community Church ever came on the radar. So we were in kind of a real pivotal place in our life, and this man uh, has been faithful, and his lovely wife, Louise, just a huge, huge blessing, and so it is truly an honor for him to be here, and he's going to share a brief message today, and then he'll, he'll move us into the, the installation part of the service. So I'm going to get off this platform here because I'm a preacher, and I can be really comfortable here for too long, so yeah, amen. <laughs> David Decker, uh, would you come on up here, my brother?
1: All right, Pastor. Did you hear him say that I was going to give you a brief message today? <laughs> you know, pastors really listen to that, and when they hear that word brief, something inside of you just makes you want to go longer. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I'm not here to just fill a spot. Uh, as a matter of fact, I. We were talking today, and uh, just a few minutes, and I, I started counting on the way driving here, and I was counting. Uh, when you get older, you you count, you know, you just count things, and um, you do. You count your steps, you know, and yeah, I can tell you how many steps it takes to get upstairs from the lower level at Deer Ridge, and all these kinds of things. It's very helpful information if you if you like things that don't make any sense. So. Uh, but I just uh, thought and realized that 50 years—I've been ministering t- for 50 years—and I think uh, we need to have a party sometime, don't you think? Uh, I have survived being a pastor or being a district leader or whatever that was that God called me to do, and uh, it all culminates in in this opportunity because every time. We have an opportunity to share the word of God. We are on holy ground. Amen. Amen. You can say Amen. You can say Amen here. It's good to do. It's good to do. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I may challenge you to do lots of things here today, uh, but it's just us. How many of you love the church? Amen? Amen. Amen. Sunday. Betty. We met. My, mother's law, my mother-in-law's name is Betty. What a name. Sunday. I think every pastor's name ought to be Sunday, don't you think? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Listen, I've got brochures here. Our little display is out there in the back. This is about Deer Ridge Ministries. And um, we've been doing this since 2003. And uh, it's just been an incredible journey that god's been on when we started this ministry in 2003 we had no money we had a call to do this ministry and i can tell you for a long time i fought against god for even bringing that up to me and there was reasons and i'm not going to go into all the reasons but i just did not feel qualified to do such a thing i didn't feel qualified uh to do that and and uh then the Lord started bringing to me an understanding of, of my life and where I've been and the things that I've done and, uh, and the things that I wished I hadn't done. And I kept saying, God, I am not qualified to do this. And, and the Lord said, why don't you just let me take care of that? And so at a retreat, at a retreat, at a pastor's retreat where they had 60 couples, they had a guy that was incredible Teacher, and then he, he did say, uh, he did say at the end of the session, you oh, know, is there anybody that'd like to share a word about what, you know, maybe the Lord God showed you something? And and I'm sitting there, and I'm getting real nervous. You know, when you how you feel like you think you should say something, but you're just getting kind of nervous, and you don't, you know, you're kind of hoping enough time is going to go by that you don't have to do it. But God said, stand up. I stood up. I didn't say anything to my wife. She was sitting. Louise was sitting right next to me. I said. I said, I've really enjoyed this ministry. It's been an incredible couple of days for us, and I feel like God's called us to minister to pastors and their spouses. You know, that's a dangerous thing to say when your spouse is sitting next to you and you really hadn't said anything about it. And I looked over at her, and she said, okay. I love her so much. And somewhere, I'm going to, She's going to watch this. So I'm, I'm just loving that so much. So we started this ministry. We have administ- we've ministered over 3,000 uh, pastors and their spouses and missionaries and their spouses. And they come to us and they, st- they spend five days there. We have a beautiful 7,000 square foot home. We have five bedrooms, all king beds, full baths. We take care of all their meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It doesn't cost them a dime. And we knew that God wanted us to do it this way so there was no excuses so that they could come and they can't say that I can't afford it. And it's been a most amazing experience for us and we have seen lives changed. And so we're just so thankful that we've had the opportunity to do just that, to see lives changed, to see pastors' lives changed. And I can't tell you enough how the stories that we have heard from the heartaches of pastors that have come. They don't all come that way. Some of them are at the top of their game, but some of them are ready to quit. Some of them have been told by people in their church to quit. And they come, and they don't know what to expect. And after a couple of days, they begin to settle in. They begin to rest physically. We want them to rest physically first before they can receive spiritually. Make sense? sense? So that's why we haven't come for as long as they are. The People call us up and say, well, can I just come for a, two days? No. You've got to come for the whole thing. Because you'll find out when you come how important it was that you stayed the whole time. Nobody ever leaves early, unless there's an emergency that happened. But nobody ever leaves early. When they come, they stay, and they don't want to leave. And so... Just pray for us. You can go take a look at that. You can get a brochure. Uh, I just want to share a couple of things. Okay, let's just kind of move that along. I'll do it quickly. Uh, But this is what we're doing. Uh, And we this is important, helping our guests keep their ministry and marriage in healthy balance. Okay, next slide. All right, this is our theme, and that's that's on property. That was actually taken on our property. Isn't that sweet? As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my heart after you, O God. My soul thirsts, or pants, for the living God. That's our theme scripture. Moving along. Okay, this is what the front of the house looks like. Okay, that's enough. Move along. This is what a better view of the house looks like. But I'll tell you right now, it doesn't look like that at all because there's a ramp now. It's a long story, I won't tell you, but that's how it looks, and it's a beautiful place. And just a couple days ago, I finally got all the Christmas lights off the gutters. (laughs) Amen? All right, next slide. All right, that's the prayer chapel. So people can come and go to the prayer chapel. Isn't that lovely? Okay, one more slide. This is what it looks like inside. And this is a beautiful place for them to come. They can come for a half a day or a whole day. They get on our website. They say, I'd like to come to the prayer chapel and have a day of prayer. Maybe they're fasting. Maybe they're just searching for something. Maybe they want to just have some time away. And so they come to the chapel, and we just love that chapel. And people that come there love it. When they walk in the door, they sense the presence of God. This afternoon, this afternoon we're going to have 31 pastor's wives come to Deer Ridge from eight different states... For four days, three and a half days of ministry, they're going to receive ministry. They're not going to give ministry. They're going to receive loving little fun gifts. They're going to receive an opportunity to talk to other pastors' wives. They're going to receive everything that God has in store for them because we love them so much. And let's keep moving. i got to preach yet. All right, this is this is kind of what we call our signature thing. But that that's that's kind of one of the shots. What a beautiful morning, and uh, the the fog was up. It was just great. Another another shot. Keep going, keep going. All right, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, thanksgiving. let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I heard, good, 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 good. So that's just some flowers. that We, we have beautiful flowers around our, our property. We have third-generation irises. If you like to give us a few of yours, we take them. Okay, next slide. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Next slide. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Hands, that's our property there. Keep moving. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We want pastors that, scriptures are all over the place. And sometimes when they come into their rooms, we have scriptures there, and they'll see something. And all of a sudden, bingo. They stay on that scripture all week. We just let God do what God does. Next slide. All right, I put this up there because this was kind of a cool week. We had four couples from four different states, Missouri, Illinois, North Carolina, and Ohio, and that's kind of how it happens. They come from all over the place. Keep going. Yeah. They're just, you know, they're feeding their faces. We told them we're going to take their pictures, and so they were kind enough to actually look up and look at us. But that's a typical, that was in June, I believe, about three years ago, and... uh All those people have been back uh, a couple of times. Another slide. And there's a typical couple. uh, Another slide. Volunteers. Everything we do is by volunteers. We don't pay anybody. Nobody gets paid. Everybody that comes, volunteers. These women come and they clean on Fridays. They love it. They love it. It's really not that dirty, actually. But they come. They come about ten o'clock in the morning. We feed them lunch. They leave around two o'clock, and they, they just love it. And we love them. Go ahead. Oh, there I am in the middle. Did you see that? Oh yeah. There I was. There I was. My mother-in-law is to the left with a, with that strappy thing. She's got a, what an apron. That's what it is. Yeah. And she. When we we did our first retreat, the first retreat we did, mom was helping a dear friend who was dying of cancer. She's an amazing person. She's going to be 88 in a couple weeks. She still comes to every retreat, helps us out all the time. She can't do as much as she used to do, but she is a great helper. Uh, Okay, next slide. All right, Spring Spruce Up. Memorial Day weekend, Saturday, Memorial Day weekend, we have a Spring Spruce Up every year. And there's about 17, 18, 20, 25 people that come and help us get everything ready A whole truckload of mulch to put out everywhere. And that's what it looks like. You see that? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't God good? Okay, move on. Okay, that's another one. That's Louise. That's my wife to the right. She doesn't do anything. If she tells you to do something, she already knows how to do it. Right? Okay, next one. All right, we did that one. One more. All right. Arrested and spiritually renewed pastor and spouse. Lead a revived and dynamic congregation who reaches a lost people in their Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the far reaches of the world. If you have a healthy pastor, I can guarantee you, you will have a healthy church. If your pastor's not healthy, things are not good. Amen? It's very important. If you're not healthy, not just physically, but emotionally and other ways, People around your life are having struggles, too. It's important that pastors do the first things first. So I tell them, you schedule your vacation. You schedule your time away for a Sabbath retreat. Your time, my term, I will tell you, I will tell you, board members, you need to give your your pastor a week off for spiritual renewal, not charge to his vacation, Oh me and oh my. Next slide. Okay, that's where we are. Whew. I want to recommend a book to you, Pastor Tony. I was—he went to Moody. Uh, Moody's never been the same since. I was told. <laughs> this book is called "We Will Not Be Silenced." Have you seen this book yet? Anybody seen this book? We will not be silenced. It's just out. It's just out. Written by Erwin Lutzer with the, um, with the thing they do at the beginning of the book by David Jeremiah. We will not be silenced. This book is an amazingly correct book about what's going on in our society today. You need to read this book. We will not be silenced. Amazing stuff. Very timely. Very important um, I'm looking for um, an order. But first got to preach. So I'm going to look into 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 1 to 5. And this is what it says. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, And all kinds of fine stone and marble, all these things in large quantities. Besides in my devotion to the temple of my God, I I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings for the gold work and the silver work and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? This is what I did. What are you going to do? By the way, we're going to, uh, you're going to have this Next Steps program going on. And I just want you to know that I read all about the stated beliefs of Long Grove Church. And I know if you're a member, you have those memorized and could stand up here and give us all of those. <laughs> and so I'm going to go through this really quickly. And I, 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 have, I just kind of made this up. And it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice piece because it's got the pastor's picture right here. And, um, okay, you believe in God. This is a good start. And I'm not going to go through all of the paragraph, but you believe in God. We believe in the Bible, the inerrant word of God. We believe in the word of God. We believe in the human condition. We believe that God created Adam and Eve in his image, but they sinned and were tempted by Satan. In union with, with Adam, human beings are sinners by nature and by choice, alienated from God and under his wrath. Only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ can we be rescued, reconciled, and renewed. My heart is breaking to this moment because yesterday afternoon I went to see a a lady whose husband died. I've known her for years. I don't know that he knew Jesus, and she is so distraught, and she is so angry at God. She doesn't know. She says, I don't know where my husband is. Pastors have to let people know who Jesus is, and they have to know, they have to give out this important information that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus Christ, we believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, fully God and fully man, one person in two natures. And it goes on, we all know that. The work of Christ, we believe that Jesus Christ is our representative and substitute, shed his blood on the cross as the perfect, all-sufficient sacrifice for our sins. His atoning death and victorious resurrection constitute the only ground for salvation, amen? We believe that the central work of the Holy Spirit glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He convicts the world of of its guilt. He transforms sinners, and in Him they are baptized into union with Christ and adopted as heirs in the family of God. He also indwells, illuminates, guides, equips, and empowers believers for Christ-like living and service. Amen? The church. We believe that the true church compromises all who have been justified by God's grace through faith alone in Christ alone. They are united by the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ of which he is the head. The true church is manifest in local churches whose membership should be composed only of believers. The Lord Jesus mandated two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, which visibly and tangibly express the gospel, though they are not the means of salvation when celebrated by the church in general. Faith, these ordinances confirm and nourish the believer. Amen? Amen? We believe that God's justifying grace must be not be separated from his sanctifying power and purpose. God commands us to love, to love him supremely and others sacrificially and to live out our faith with care for one another, compassion toward the poor, and justice for the oppressed, with God's word, the Spirit's power, and fervent prayer. In Christ's name, we are to combat the spiritual forces of evil. In obedience to Christ's commission, we are to make disciples among all people, seeking to bear witness to the gospel in word and deed. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Now, the last two, I want to hit hard. And I haven't even started yet. But I know that Pastor Dell kind of goes. Anyway, <laughs> I'm only saying that because he said that I had to be. I was going to be brief, so I, I. I just. Christ's return. We believe in the personal, bodily return, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of Christ at a time known only to God. Demands constant expectancy, as our blessed hope. Motivates the believer to godly living. Motivates the the believer to godly living. Sacrificial service and energetic. I love that. Energetic mission. I'm 75 years old. One time, I think last year, David Jeremiah said that he really doesn't think that he's going to die from old age. He thinks that before... Any of that happens, Jesus is coming. Wow. David Jeremiah said that. Response and eternal destiny. We believe that God desires everyone everywhere to believe the gospel by turning to him in repentance and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that God will raise the dead bodily and judge the world, assigning the unbeliever to eternal condemnation and the believer to eternal blessedness and joy with the Lord in the new heaven and the new earth, to the praise of his glorious grace. Amen and amen. Father God, I just pray that you'll bless your word today. I thank you, Lord, for every verse that we have looked at today already. For, Lord God, when we come to your house, Lord, we want to hear your word. We want to hear the word given to us that we might grow, that we might be challenged, that we might be changed in some way. That when we leave this place today, we'll know that it's been wonderful to be in your house. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I recently ran across uh, a list, and the list is entitled Satan's Beatitudes. If the devil were to write his beatitudes, they'd probably go something like this. Blessed are those who are too tired, too busy, too distracted to spend an hour once a week with their fellow Christians. They are my best workers. (laughs) Blessed are those Christians who wait to be asked and expect to be thanked. I can use them. Blessed are the touchy, With a bit of luck, they may stop going to church. They are my missionaries. Blessed are the troublemakers. They shall be called my children. Blessed are the complainers. I'm all ears to them. Blessed are they who are bored with the minister's mannerisms and mistakes, for they get nothing out of his sermons. Blessed is the church member who expects to be invited to his own church, for he is part of the problem instead of the solution. Blessed are they who gossip, for they shall cause strife and divisions that really please me. Blessed are they who are easily offended, for they will soon get angry and quit. Blessed are they who do not give their offering to carry on God's work, they are my helpers. Blessed is he who professes to love God, but hates his brother and sister, for he shall be with me forever. Finally, blessed are you when you hear this and think it's about other people, not yourself. I gotcha. (laughs) Number one, I can honestly say that I have pastored every one of those types of church members. Number two, what the church desperately needs is more members who simply and absolutely love their church. But not only love their church, but love their church the way that God loves the church. You see, God loves the church sacrificially. He gave his son for it. God God loves the church unconditionally when he's pleased with it and when he is not pleased with it. God loves the church eternally. There's a blessing that comes to every church member who really will love his or her church and love it in the right way and love it for the right reason. And so I want to share with you my three, if you will, beatitudes for a church member who truly loves their church the way Jesus wants them to. And so that's that's why I call this I love my church. Number one. Blessed is the church member who gives the church their loving affection. The background of this story is fascinating. David had a desire in his heart to build a house for God. It was a legitimate desire. It was a noble desire. It was an honorable desire. But God, in his sovereign will and purpose, didn't want David to build the house, the temple, the temple. He wanted David's son Solomon to build the house. Now, David was still the king of Israel. David could have pouted. He could have sulked. He could have walked away from all that and just said, "I, I don't want anything to do with it. You see, David could have said, there's nothing in this for me. Why should I? You think about this. David was going to give a house of worship that would benefit somebody else. He was going to give to build a house of worship that he would never attend. David said, what's in it for me? Or had, had he said that, he wouldn't have given one dime to see that house built. He was, going to give, he was going to give to build a house of worship that he would not even live to see. But David's heart... David's heart was something special. He he said, I want to invest in the work of God any way that I can. I am willing to build a house of worship even if I will never enter into it. If it means God can be glorified, the word can be proclaimed, and other people can be redeemed. Notice, incidentally, what he said in verse 1. This palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. I want to say to your church, whatever buildings you build, whether you build them here or somewhere else, they're, they're never to be, to be monuments to, to, to the pastor or to any one individual. They're, they are to be built for God, for God's glory, for his kingdom, and for the preaching of his word. Amen? Now, I wish I had the time to go into all the details of telling you exactly what David gave, because in modern day terms, are you ready for this? This is really good. In today's dollar... In in modern day terms, David gave over $20 billion. He said, in my devotion, in verse 3 that we read, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. David gave to God's house because he loved God and he loved God's house. Do you love God's house? He said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So I want to ask you a question. In fact, I want to ask you a series of questions. Question number one, do you love God's church? I'm not asking you to love your pastor, but it's a good idea. I'm not asking you to love the staff. I'm not asking you to love the deacons, the worship team, or the Sunday school teachers. I'm asking you, do you love God's church? I know people, I see them coming. They love the church. I'm pastoring this little church right now. I'm an interim pastor. Well, of course I'm an interim pastor. You know, somebody said to me, Aren't you retired? I said, I'm not retired, I'm refocused. <laughs> Amen. So I'm pastoring this little reformed church out in Baileyville, Illinois. How many of you have been to Baileyville? How many of you know where Baileyville is? I don't even know where Baileyville is. (laughs) It's a little town. Get that? Two churches. Let's see. Do they have anything else there? They got a grain elevator, and they got a post office, and there's about 80 people that live in Baileyville. When we were going through all this COVID stuff, we didn't have Easter service last year. Remember that? We didn't have Easter service. What's that all about? Well, I had just come there and I was, I was having, I was, I was preaching three services every Sunday to 12 people each time, because I thought, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to, we've got to do something about this. So they would come and we would have, they would, they would reserve their time when they were coming because we, we had to know who was coming. It was 12 to 14 people. We, we we cheated a little bit there, you know, and so. But they came in, and we just we had a short service, and and we I I had time with every one of them. I had personal prayer with them. We were just playing music, uh, on 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 the stereo thing, and and just being with them and loving on them. And then in 40 minutes they were gone, and then the next group would come, and it was that. But I after a while I was thinking, Phew, this is. You know, first time I tried it with a, with a mask, that was torture. That was torture. And so we went and did the, all this stuff. Well, Easter was coming, and I said, you know, we got to do something. And so I had a talk with a couple of people, and we decided last year we were going to have re-Easter. Pritzker? We're having re-Easter. I mean, governor. Oh, Pritzker and so we had everybody come together i said we're going to have easter service i know it was three weeks ago we're going to have easter service we want the lilies we want dressed up in your easter finery we're going to have an easter egg hunt but we're going to be here on easter and those people came into that building and they were crying they were all back in their church and they were looking at each other and they, they they didn't they weren't hugged well reformed people don't I'm breaking it up a little bit though, folks. I'm telling you, I'm saying, amen? Yeah, I don't get it quite like that, but it's coming. But when they saw each other, they were just so thankful because they loved their church and they loved, their. and and this is a small town, so everybody knows everybody's business and it's a family church. They all, you know, they they all have each other's babies. I don't know what happens, but anyway, everybody gets together. But we had church and they love their church and they still love their church and if you guys see me i mean i'm i'm doing exactly what you asked me to do so i'm i'm doing that for you now don't answer too quickly but I want to say to you gently, lovingly but firmly, you have no right to say you love God's church if you're not giving to it and supporting it financially. I I hate to report this to you, but one out of every two members of the average church, based on that criteria, does not love his church at all. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Amen? Now, we all know that Jesus loves the church, but how do we know that he loves it? Did he just say so? Oh, no, no, no. In, In Ephesians 5, Paul, to the church of Ephesus, says in Ephesians 5, 25, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And I want to tell you that if the Lord Jesus were a physical member of this church... He would come not just next Sunday, but he would come every Sunday and gladly give a sacrificial offering to the help of the work that God can get done because if Jesus loved this church enough to give his life, you know that he would love the church enough to give a tithe and offering. Now let me ask you another question. If if you do support this church financially, why do you do it? I want you to understand that God not only sees what you give, but God sees why you give it. And even if you give and give generously, or uh, if you give for the wrong motive or, or the wrong reason, God writes zero over your account. I can say it. Do you give to this church for any other reason than just because you love Jesus and love this church? If you give to the church just because you're going to get a break on taxes, you don't need to give. If you give to this church only when you agree with everything that goes on, no need to give. If you give to this church only when things are going your way and you agree with every decision, no need to give. There's no excuse that God will accept from a church member not to support the church financially that he or she regularly attends and is a member of none. And so, do you still want to be in the next steps today? There are reasons to quit quit giving to a church. These are the reasons why you should not give to the church. You ought to quit giving to a church that quits preaching the Bible. You ought to quit giving to a church that quits trying to win lost people to Christ. You ought to quit giving to a church that loses its heart for the world. You ought to quit giving to a church that quits believing in the Bible. But if you ever come to a point to where, for whatever reason, you quit giving to a church, then you ought to find a church where you can give. Because, you see, when you withhold from the church, you withhold from Jesus. And when you refuse to give to the church, you refuse to give to Jesus. When you refuse to help the church, you refuse to help Jesus. Where did I get that idea? Do you remember the occasion when Paul met the Lord Jesus on the Damascus Road? It is the most amazing account there's so, many, there's so many good things in the Word of God. This one was one of my favorites. And so he, he meets with, with, with Paul on the Damascus Road. And, and, and of course, Paul is, is crucifying, and he's, he's, he's persecuting Christians. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, as you know, Paul thought he was persecuting the church, and yet Jesus said, you are persecuting me. Jesus was saying, anything you do to hurt the church... Hurts me When you don't support your church, you're not supporting me. When you don't give to your church, you're not supporting me. When you don't love the church like you ought to, then you don't love me like you ought to. I heard about a four-year-old boy that told his mother one time. He said, Mommy, when I grow up, I'm going to buy you a fur coat, a diamond ring, and a Mercedes Benz. One day his mom scolded him for something that he did. And he pointed his finger and he says, There goes the fur coat. Now, that's the way some people are with the church. The first time something goes wrong, the first first time the pastor makes a decision that they don't agree with, the first time the church goes in a direction they don't like, they say, well, there goes the tithe. I just got to go back to what David said. David gave only one reason for his giving to his church. He said, because I have set my affection on the house of my god i will give to the house of my god that's good theology no matter what you do whether it's giving a tithe or of an offering or singing on the worship team or winning people to jesus or sitting in a pew on sunday morning do it because you love jesus i've been in church all my life my dad was a pastor They sat me on the front pew, Charlotte, North Carolina. Unfortunately, my dad was only in ministry for a year because my mom emotionally could not take being a pastor's wife. My mom had issues all through her life and all through our lives. But nevertheless, church was never the spoke in our wheel. Church was always the hub of our wheel. It wasn't unusual for us to be in church four times in a week. We love church. Do you love your church? Amen? Number two, blessed is the believer who gives his church his loyal allegiance. There's a statement I want you to read with me from Nehemiah, or listen to me, from Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 39. We will not neglect the house of our God. The word neglect literally means to let go or to let loose. It's a word that describes how a man, after 25 years of faithful marriage, would leave his wife for another woman. It literally means to forsake or desert. Now, just as it is unconscionable for a man to forsake his wife, I believe it's inexcusable for a Christian to forsake his church. It's easier to do that than you might think. I want to give you several ways that you can neglect your church. There are some people who neglect their church by just not coming. Now, of course, we have all been affected by COVID-19. But now we are seeing those restrictions relax. But churches have been experiencing what I would say is an alarming situation. They're just not showing up. They've saturated the church with with their absence. And even though we miss them, they really don't seem to miss us. And there's a lot of Christians who have forsaken the church and don't even miss it. This isn't just the pastor's responsibility. This is all of our responsibilities. And if you know people that are not coming to this church, they need to be embraced by you. Because it's not just about gathering here. It's not just about that. It's about everything that this church stands for. I read it to you. So you can't say I didn't tell it. I just gave you all the details. But it's also possible to come to church, even come every Sunday and still neglect a church. There are many people who come to church and basically they just take up space. The only thing they, they 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 do contribute is is their presence. I'll take it. They don't give. They don't work. They don't serve. They don't witness. They don't worship. Some of them don't even sing. They just come. I love worship this morning. I love the music. I came in here today and there was a Lovely lady with a lovely voice singing the song. I didn't know. I, I didn't. I'm, I'm back. To, I don't know who this is. I said to Dell, I said, she's really good. I still didn't know who it was. He said, yeah, she is. I'm kind of sweet on her. Well, I got a little scared there for a minute. You know, I thought we're going to have another session. And then I realized it was Liana. Poof. If you're a member of this church, let me ask this question. What are you contributing to this church over and above a person who never comes at all? Because I'm, I'm delighted that you're here. I, I am glad that you're here. I'm simply saying it's possible to come and still neglect your church. Then there are those who come to church and they, they, they can be so negative and so critical, their attitude is bad, that both they and the church can be stalled and ineffective for the Lord. Those people are church killers. Let me tell you, I've had enough experience in my life to give you an example for everything, a personal example for everything that I'm talking about. When I was, when I was a, a, a bi, bivocational pastor, when I first got out of a school in, in, in Oak Park, Illinois, I, I was a part-time pastor, and, the, and they paid me to let me stay in, a, in, a, in a, an apartment up behind the, the, the platform. There was an apartment up there. And I'd go to work, etc., etc. There was a man in the church who was very influential in the entire city of Chicago. His name was Tal Rahoff. He went to that church. Tal Rahov was one of those guys that would say to the pastor, Now, pastor, if you don't do it this way, I'm not, I'm not going to be given this month. Serious. And we had to deal with that. And I was so, the pastor was such a, he's a big, jolly guy. He was just loving people and loving God. And, you know, and this, this, this was his thorn in the flesh. And we just kept praying for justice and praying for justice. And the pastor, I heard him say one time, you know, I just would rather write Ichabod on the door and just close it up. There was so much depression and so much, the lack of enthusiasm. And this, this vivacious pastor, it was killing him. And this man had conspired with another man in the church to, to put the pressure on the pastor to do the things that they wanted to do. So you got two men now, and they're really... So they accused the pastor of having an affair with a woman in the church. Totally, totally ridiculous. We just kept praying. In four months' time, this man was arrested for embezzlement in the city of Chicago for trying to pay off construction contracts. He went to jail and he died of pleurisy in six months. The other man had a massive heart attack and died within seven months. I'm just telling you you what happened. Blessed is the believer who gives his church his loyal allegiance. Now, that doesn't mean that a church isn't above good, solid, constructive criticism given the right person, the right reason, the right place at the right time and the right way. I can assure you that there's plenty to criticize any church about. There's an old story about a fellow who went to a small town in Indiana with the thought of possibly moving his family there. And he went to a local service station and asked the attendant, what kind of people live around here? And the attendant said, well, what kind of people live back where you're from? And the visitor said, well, by and large, they're ornery, mean, and dishonest. And the attendant looked up and said, mister, you'll find them about like that right here. A few weeks later, another gentleman stopped by the gas station with the same question. He said, excuse me, I'm thinking of moving to your town with my family. What kind of people live around these parts? And the man said, well, what kind of people live back where you live? The stranger thought for a moment. He said, well, by and large, they're good, kind, decent people. And the gas station attendant looked up and said, well, you'll find them just about like that around here too. It's so true. You usually find exactly what you're looking for. We're living in a day when many people have forgotten what the term loyalty means. I want you to listen to this statement because I can tell you as a pastor, it's right on the money. Church attendance is infected with a malaise of conditional loyalty which has produced an army of ecclesiastical hitchhikers. The hitchhiker's thumb says, you buy the car. Pay for the repairs, upkeep and the insurance, fill the car with gas, and I'll ride with you. But if you have an accident, you're on your own. So my friends, this church has made a good mark in this community. The potential for continuing devoted spirit-led ministry and mission in this county and more, in your Jerusalem, in your Judea, in your Samaria, and the farthest reaches of this lost world, your potential is unlimited but you know, another way we can neglect our church is simply by not caring. And I'm afraid the average member of the average church really doesn't care whether the church baptizes anybody or not. They don't care whether anybody ever gets saved or not. They don't care if, if, if they ever build another building or raise another budget or do another remodel or pave another parking place or, or try to reach each, another lost soul. It just simply makes no difference to them. I was talking to a pastor in Illinois just the other day, not this one, and I said to him, what's the greatest single challenge you face as a pastor? And I knew exactly what he was going to say because I have pastors say this so much. He said to me, the apathy of my people. Our church is just like every other church. It's absolutely full of willing people, some willing to work and the rest willing to let them do it. And I'm sure that there are people who come into a church like this and say, I I can't believe how much is done in this church. You wouldn't believe how much goes undone in churches sometimes because nobody's willing to do it. I read a story one time about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. And there was an important job to be done, and so everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. But everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody, and nobody did what anybody could have done. <laughs> I'll let you have that one. Here's my last question. Are you a part of the everybody that is waiting on somebody to do what anybody can do, but nobody is doing? Or are you a somebody who is doing what everybody ought anybody could do, but nobody would have done it if you weren't doing it? Blessed is the church member who gives to the church their loyal affection. Blessed is the believer who gives his church his loyal allegiance. And thirdly, blessed is the believer that gives his church his lasting attendance. So now the doors are open. Hebrews 10.25 tells us that we should not be forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching what day is that? The day of the return of Jesus Christ for his church. The rapture of the church. Your church deserves your consistent, constant, continuous, conscientious attendance. Your church deserves and needs your love. We, sometimes we are too emotionally tired. Listen, I, I know we have a lot of excuses. Well, reasons. Reasons. Why we don't do this or that. I just got to tell you, as a brother in Christ, you see what's going on in this world today. I have never seen this in my life. If you don't know Jesus, you ought to be worried. I'm pretty annoyed. I'm not worried, except I'm concerned about people that I know that are not, they don't know Jesus. There's only a little bit of time. Too many people only come to church three times in their life. When they're first born, when they get dedicated or christened, and when they get married, they come to church and have the wedding, and and when they die and come to church to have the funeral. In other words, they come to church three times when they're hatched, matched, and dispatched. The first time you throw water on them, the second time you throw rice, and the third time you throw dirt. I remember saying one time in my, in my ignorance at a little country church, I was pastoring two churches at one time in, in, in Pearl City. Do you remember? You know Pearl City, right? Pearl City? Oh, oh, uh, okay. And I said to them, welcome, priesters. You know what a priester is? They come to church on Christmas and Easter. That's it. That was almost the last thing I ever said. I had a family there, and they've been trying to get their son to come to church for six months, and I said that. Don't say that. Now, I don't mind people giving excuses for not coming to church as long as they're consistent. And I got a church mail out one time, and on the front of the mail out had this big headline Pastor Quits Sports. Underneath it was this paragraph. Football in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in spring and summer. Your pastor has been an avid sports fan all of his life, but I've had it. I have quit this sports business once and for all. I'm never going to see a football, basketball, or baseball game ever again. And then he said, Do you know what? You want to know why? Here are the reasons he listed. He said, Every time I went, they asked me for money. The people whom I I had to sit with weren't very friendly, and they didn't speak to me. The seats were too hard and very uncomfortable. I went to many games, but the coach never came to visit me. The coach made a decision that I didn't like. I figured out that I was sitting with some hypocrites. They didn't seem to see the ball game. They just came to see what everybody was wearing. Some games went into overtime, and I had to wait in line at the restaurant. The band played some numbers that I'd never heard before. It seemed like the games were are always scheduled when I want to do something else. When I was, gro- does this sound familiar? When I was growing up, my mom and dad used to force me to go to ball games. I recently read a book on sports, and now I feel that I know more than the coaches do. Anyhow, <laughs> I know there are hypocrites in the church. All hypocrites, please raise your hand. There's some honest people here. I baptized quite a few. But you should never let a hypocrite keep you away from the house of God. There's never an excuse that God will accept for professing, believing child of God not to go to church. Dr. Vance Havner, and I'm almost done, once said, Not one of us would want to live where there are no churches, but so many of us live as though there were no churches. I want you to stand up and join with me this morning and shout, I thank God for this church, and I love my church. I love it enough to give my affection, my loving affection. I love it enough to give it my loyal allegiance. I love it enough to give it my lasting attendance. At 66 years of age, Winston Churchill became the Prime Minister of England. He served from 1940 to the end of the war in 1945. And they were dark days and they were facing a task that no one thought they could do. A mountain they thought no one could climb. A foe they thought that no one could defeat. And when he went before the House of Commons to give his first address, this is what he said. I would say to the House, as I say to those who have joined this government, I have nothing to offer but blood toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. This could be the United States. We have an army before us. We have many, many before us. Many long months of struggle and of suffering And you ask what is our policy? I will say it is to wage war by sea, land, and air with all of our might and with all of our strength that God can give us to wage war against a monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark lamentable catalog of human crime. That is our policy. You ask what is our aim? I can answer in one word. Victory! Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory there is no survival. Let that be realized. This church must be a church of victory. The victory that we have in Christ Jesus should be so obvious it would just come forth from us. The world needs to see people who have been and are with Jesus. Winston Churchill says, But I take up my task with buoyancy and hope. I feel sure that our cause will not be suffered to fail among men. But the way he wrapped up his address is the way I wrap up my message with you today. Please stand. I want you to read this with me, and I want you to read it loud. At this time I feel entitled to claim the aid of all and I say, come then, let us go forward together with our united strength. Your strength and my strength is in the Lord Jesus Christ and we need to love our church, amen? Amen. Give God a hand this morning. may be seated. There's always a problem with people saying, would you give God a hand? You can't stop. (laughs) I want to say to you today, I've given over 40, 50 years of my life to ministry and pastors and churches, and I intend to give the best years of the rest of my ministry to pastors and missionaries and churches and their spouses. And all I've got to offer is blood and toil and tears and sweat. Last year, I was walking on the grounds, and I was talking with God, and I said, and I don't know, I mean, sometimes you have these things come up. You know, when you get older, you think about death more than when you're 30. I said, Lord, I just, I don't know if this is my last time walking this property, but I just want to say, Lord, I just, it's been the greatest privilege of my life. And just the other day, when that last snow melted, I walked around and I just said, thank you, God. I've got one more shot at helping 120 more pastors and their spouses this year. And 31 wives this afternoon that are coming that need to know what Jesus is going to do in their life. And I'm here to tell you that if you will go with Pastor Dell together, you can claim An entire county for Christ. You can impact several other counties beside that. You can do something that some would say cannot be done. If you'll hold if you'll join hands together with your pastor and your staff and with the help of the Holy Spirit, you'll keep doing great things for the glory of God. Great things. And as you do it, you will do it because you love your Lord. You love our Lord. You love each other. And you love. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I pray, dear God, that we would all be mindful of where we are in our walk with you. I pray, oh God, for those who have been dogging it. I pray, God, that you'll help us all to see Lord, that we need to open up our hearts and our minds and our lives and say, Lord, whatever, whatever, Lord, what do you have for me to do? I will do it. I will do it with joy, not with, not with complaint, but Lord, I will do it with joy. I will do it with joy because your joy is my strength. It's not, not the other stuff. It's your joy that's my strength. And so, God, I give to you all that I can give to you, not just money, but Lord, myself, that I will be able to help this church make an eternal difference in the lives of people that we've never even heard, ever seen yet. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen.